0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Hey, this is Lawrence Brooks, your Hoop Ball Mavericks Podcast host. Before we jump in today's podcast, let me let you know about MyBookie.com. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there's no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie.com. And when you do, use promo code Hootball to get your deposit matched halfway, all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in 200 They'll match you with another 100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun. Win some cash while you're at it. Okay, so, ball Mavericks, I must say, I'm not sure where to go with what we've seen so far. But what I thought we needed today was some pod muscle and some reinforcements. So I brought in my guy, Josh, the editor over at Mavs Moneyball to talk about this because I didn't want to do it alone. I was afraid. So I brought him in to kind of help me out here.
1: (laughs) 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 We've had him on before. Josh, welcome back, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's good to be good to be back with you.
0: Yeah, man. Um, I I, I mean, I have some things to get off my chest. (laughs) <laughs> I'll try to keep it in very in a, in a formatted manner and not run off on a tangent. But for everyone, for Hooball, Mavs, Mavs Nation, Mavs Moneyball fans as well that we have uh, seem to have gotten a few of, today's topics, we'll, we'll recap Sunday's blowout of the Clippers, which is our only win of the season so far. We'll talk about the Hornets game last night, which is the complete opposite of what happened on Sunday. And then we'll also get into some notes and things to consider. I'm gonna play a little game with Josh called "Panic or Patience," and then we'll we'll do a preview of the of the Miami game coming up tomorrow. So happy last day of 2020 to everyone. Um, let's get into it. So quick recap of Sundays game, Josh. So for me, I mean obviously it was our first win, and I don't know what I don't know what clippers it was hard to make a It was hard. It was hard for me to kind of judge what the Mavericks were based on that game. And on top of that, the Clippers played so poorly, it was just hard for me to evaluate overall. So the only takeaway that I have for that game, which is something that we'll continue to to talk about throughout this podcast, is although they blew them out, they shot 34 percent from three and. If you really think about it, most times in a 50 point win, you would think that a team maybe shot 44 percent from three. And when we talk about the Mavericks, especially with that being kind of one of their superpowers, especially if you go back to last season, that was a little concerning to me. While overall as a team, that isn't bad. But for a win of that magnitude, I was like, uh, I don't know if that's
1: good. But um, what did you take away from from the win on Sunday? Uh, I feel like that is probably. I mean, that's clearly uh, the pinnacle of what they can do uh, when they kind of have everyone bought in, engaged, and having a good game. Um, you talked about the three point shooting. Yeah, they were thirty four percent from three. Uh, you take away though, Lucas zero for five, uh, and Boban's zero for two, and Willie Colley Stein zero for one, and West Windu zero for two, uh, which you know. That's Luca's bad shooting and then some of the, the garbage time shooting. Like, their starters were on it. Uh, Hardaway Jr. and Josh Richardson were 8 for 16 Dorian Finney-Smith was 2-4. Like, the starters were making the shots, and, and Luca was making the, the right reads and the passes. And uh, I know that's kind of been a struggle in the other three games is Luca creating open shots and guys not hitting him, and that was definitely not the problem. And then another thing was just how aggressive they were defensively. They, the Clippers only had 12 turnovers, but the Mavericks had 10 steals. Um, and if you've been watching this team the last five years or so, you know that their defensive scheme is very conservative. Uh, you know, When they guard the pick and roll, they have the big drop back uh, because they want to try to entice mid-range shots. But kind of the other end of that is that they don't really get up uh, into, into players when they're guarding them. So to see like a guy like Josh Richardson uh, kind of buck that trend a little bit uh, was really cool. He had a really great game, and uh, yeah, everything just kind of kind of seemed to work. They snowballed. The Clippers kind of gave up once the Mavericks hammered them, and I think that was about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was it was really good to see them clicking on all cylinders, cylinders as you mentioned. Um, regardless of you know the three point percentage that I was. I just kind of made a note of it. Not that I was overly concerned, because in a fifty-one point blowout, clearly everything is working. It's not as if something didn't go right. But mm-hmm. I just was trying to find a needle in a haystack, so to speak, to see if there were <laughs> any underlying um, issues that maybe you could take away, or at least something to discuss. But like you said, you know, a win of that, a, a win of that magnitude, you just take it as it is. Clearly, everyone had going, and and they just had a good flow. And everything just fell into place. Sometimes that just happens. There's been a lot of weird blowouts this season. And I think some of that can be attributed to when there's no fans and a team gets going. It's almost like, I don't know how many people have played basketball in open gym, but there's sometimes you get on the court and you could have the better team. But if the other team is just making shots, sometimes there's just no going back. Like, Like you look up and you lost 11 to three and you're like, how the hell did we just get put off the court? (laughs) And I take that and I, and I look at that sometimes in some of these NBA games and I'm just like, you know, some of these blowouts where teams just, just jump on you early and there's no crowd momentum. Your bench is looking like things are a little suspect and players are used to having support behind them. um, Crowd related wise in these gyms. And I just think that's, that's an adjustment period that everyone's um, trying to get used to. So Anyway, the um, great win—it's our only win of the season. We'll take it, but we definitely have more issues to speak of. So, going in the last night's game against the Hornets, I thought this was this would be a good test for them, just based on the fact that the Hornets—you know—they're they're at five hundred, but they're not playing necessarily playing bad basketball. But when you think of the Hornets, you think of a team that's not good for whatever reason. You just you just don't associate winning or a good team with the Hornets. So. For Mavs, you know, for Maverick fans and for just fans in general, just looking at it face value, you're like Mavs versus the Hornets. Oh, the Mavericks should win this game. Not necessarily the case. Not only was it not the case, but they got blew out. And for me, it really just boiled down to missed shots, which is something that has been a constant throughout the year. Me and you touched on it in our initial part with each other and talking about how some of these defensive pieces, to see if there's, you know, some addition by subtraction. But I also mentioned, hopefully, the additions not necessarily hurting what, what gave them such an advantage over teams last year was just elite shooting and shot making. So, um, you know, for the game, they shot 25% on, on shots that were wide open. So it was like 6 of 24. Mm-hmm. Then they were in, but they're only 35% on the season. That's alarming to me. And then for the game, they shot 39 percent from the field, 28 percent from three and 57 percent from the free throw line. So we can get into a lot of different areas that, you know, may have um, cost them the game because there were some things that they did, you know, throughout the game that that would equate to not winning basketball. But overall, they're just not making shots. And that's something that the Mavericks have done really well. What's your thoughts on last night's game?
1: Ah, uh, man, it was, yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. It felt like everything about the Clippers game that went right did not go right in this one. Um, Luca had a really bad game uh, scoring-wise. I know he only played 24 minutes because of the blowout, but 12 shots on 410 shooting. Once again, 0 for 5 on threes. I think he's 2 for 20 on the season on his threes now, uh, which I think I, I looked some looked at some stats after the game and some reporters uh mentioning things like this is like one of the worst three point shooting starts in NBA history for an individual player like 2 for 20. Yeah. Uh yeah, something like that. Uh, um but so that's that's not good. Um he only had five assists and it's pretty obvious to see why he only had five assists when uh Josh Richardson is 0 for 4 from 3, Dorian Finney-Smith 1 for 6. Uh Guys didn't make shots for him, and that's been kind of a trend. And you kind of mentioned it, you know, were, you know when they gave up Seth Curry to go for Josh Richardson, was that going to be too much of an imbalance for the offense-defense? I still don't think that's necessarily the case, even though Richardson, man, was as good as he was against the Clippers. He was just as bad against the Hornets. One for 10, four points, 27 minutes, uh, 0 for 4 from 3. That's just rough. I think he missed a, a handful of, of layups as well. Uh, just not a good game. And while Seth is a big loss, I don't want to jump too far into saying, you know, Seth is like this reason that the offense looks and doesn't look so great. Cause as good as Seth was, and he was really good for them. Uh, he was really a great fit. He only averaged about 24 minutes a game. So it's not like he was a he hu- playing huge starter level minutes. And he didn't start regularly until late January. And the Mavericks had an elite offense in November, December, the first half of January. So they can, you know, it wasn't like Seth was necessary the linchpin. It was just they got career years, you know, in addition to Seth being great, you know, they got career shooting seasons from Maxi Kleba, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney Smith. Um and that was huge because those are three of the guys that are, are, are playing a lot of minutes. And they had, you know, Chris Stops, uh, who, who, even though he wasn't shooting so great to start last season, his presence is just uh, immeasurable as a 7 3 big that has to be guarded beyond the three point line. And then you had Dwight Powell, one of the best rim runners. So now we're a season later, and Luka is not in the same condition he was in the bubble in last season. That's just a fact. Uh, you have Dwight Powell coming off the Achilles injury, who is clearly, clearly not the player he was before the injury. So there goes your vertical rim runner. Uh, then you have Dorian finney Smith and Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, being very inconsistent with their three point shot, uh, and same for Josh Richardson. And it kind of is combining to create the perfect storm of, of a disappointing start. I think, uh, it's kind of like there's there's a lot of blame to be shared across. You know, it's not. Just, I know a lot of people are mad at Luca. You know, it's not just Luca, and you know a lot of people are mad at the role players. Well, it's not just them either. It's, I think it's a collective uh, slump to start this season, and I'm not sure what the Mavericks can do besides hope Chris Stops comes back as soon as he can, and just hoping some of these guys start making shots. Because uh, I don't want to keep going on too long on this point, but. I talked about this last year. The Mavericks are, have built a team that is basically Luca and then a bunch of, sh- you know, spot up guys. Uh, right. So when the threes aren't falling, I know the cry is like, OK, we'll do something else. Well, it's like that this team doesn't do any, you know, that this team isn't built to do anything else. Really? Right. Um, you know, like, what are you going to do? You're going to tell Dorian Finney-Smith to go into the post? You're going to tell Tim Hardaway Jr. to start running <laughs> a pick and roll or isolate? You know, those guys just aren't that's not their role. So. Almost as as bad as it sounds, they kind of have to shoot their way out of this slump that they're in and hope some of these guys just start making some shots.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, when we talk about last season and, you know, we touched on this as well and just talking about how how elite the role players played last year. I mean, career years across the board for everyone you just mentioned. And when you start talking about law of averages, you know at some point you're going to come down off of that high. Now, how far you come down will determine how successful you are. And right now, it's not looking great. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith has been a a great, you know, um, development project for the Mavs. He's developed into one of the better 3&D guys in the league. Um, he's become respectable from the three-point line, but again, having a career year coming back this year, not doing bad, but you know, maybe coming back down to a little bit more of the average that would have been expected from him coming into last year. Um, then, and like you mentioned about Seth Curry, not necessarily that Seth Curry is the end-all, be-all and some elite piece that they had that you know, like they just lost a top-tier guy. But what I do think it did. Was it created a healthy ecosystem for their offense? And so his his ability to space the floor, you had to stay attached to him. Not to mention he is he is one of the elite shooters in the NBA. Not necessarily not necessarily that it correlates with his um, points per game average or like he's a top option on a team, but just his his presence on the floor creates um, enough of assist or enough of a problem for defense is that you have to pick your poison. And that's another thing about, you know, I guess the elephant in the room, so to speak, not necessarily elephant, but I mean, it's very obvious. They're missing Porzingis, any team missing their second option. It it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, even if you're not winning, if you're a team that's not winning and you're, and you're missing your second best player, you're going to be even worse. So add that to the fact that Porzingis is a top 25 player in the NBA and he's not playing right now. So you got, again, you have Luca trying to create everything. Now, while he is their on-ball playmaker, um, they still do a lot of different things with Porzingis to manipulate defenses and get them different looks that maybe some of some of that isn't being afforded to some of their players right now. So you have guys taking more, um, more shots that maybe they're not as comfortable with or that they're not expected to take because you would rather keep a guy like Finney Smith, you'd rather keep him in the, you know, five to eight attempt range if possible. But right now with, you know, with Porzingis out, he could have a night where he's taking 10 to 12 to 14 shots. Not necessarily ideal. Um, Josh Richardson obviously is going to get looks, and he's kind of a secondary playmaker. But again, you're definitely not looking at him to do, you know, any more than what he's been doing because he's been terrific to start the year. Just so happened that he had, you know, a down game. And with the addition of these guys, that's one of the offsets of having adding defensive players is, yes, Seth Curry and, and Porzingis give you shooting every night, but when you start bringing in some of these defensive guys, there might be nights where they're hot, and there might be nights where they're not. So you just have to figure out a balance and be able to win ugly. And that's where I think the defensive presence comes in, is that when you do add defensive guys, you win some of those rugged games where it's you know 102 to to 97 or you know 100 to 98 like those games where you just had to be scrappy and i think some of that is an adjustment period for these guys so for me the three elite pieces that made them so special last year that they don't have this year is kp obviously not being out there seth not being out there because those are two guys that you have to account for at all times they're not on the floor so As a result, it's making things tougher for everyone else, especially Luka getting to the rim. There's more contested shots at the rim now, so that's been a problem. And then Dwight Powell, like you said, there's no no secret. He's just not the same guy right now, and I don't know if that's going to come back, and I don't know if that's necessarily something that we have to be overly concerned about, but he's working himself back into it. He hasn't played basketball in a while. So overall, um, I agree with you there. Is there anything from that game that you took that was maybe a bright spot?
1: Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a t- that's a tough one. Uh I mean Maxi Kleba seems to be the the one role player immune to um a shooting slump. Uh he's been really, really solid uh from deep so far this season. I think he's shooting uh he's at a he's at a clean fifty percent for the year after last night's uh, four or five from three. So uh, he had a good shooting preseason, and that seemed to carry over a little bit. Um, it was good to see him get six rebounds in 21 minutes because he has not been a good rebounder so far this year. Uh, and the two blocks was also good because I love when Maxi is kind of at the rim uh, doing damage as a defender instead of kind of having to plug in a bunch of holes that the Mavericks need him to. Because uh, I think he's, I think he's at uh, his most effective uh, guarding the rim. So I, I'd probably say that, but really, you know, when you have a collective effort that we saw in the third quarter, where the Mavericks get outscored thirty to twelve, uh, that is tough to swallow. And much like the Clippers game, and where we say everyone kind of chipped in and had it going, uh, this was almost an equally <laughs> everyone did not have it going, uh, so to speak. Uh, so yeah, it's it, it's tough after after a game like that to to look at the bright spots, but I guess Maxi having a solid shooting game is one of them for me.
0: Yeah, I I agree, I, I, and I think I think he's just playing in position now. Like you have some extra bodies back, you have guys that can account defensively, so he's not being asked to to play up, so to speak, and and chase around guys and and play out of position because he has to fill holes as you as you just mentioned. Um, so I think as a result, he his legs are fresh because he's playing in in his in his proper position. So offensively he can do what he's supposed to do and defensively he's playing in a comfort zone and playing within his abilities and not being stretched to do something that maybe he's not as comfortable doing. So I completely agree. Um a few notes. So you know, amongst everyone and especially, you know, Maverick Nation that's been tapped into what they're doing, it's clear that they're not rebounding as well as they were last year. Some of that has to do with personnel. Some of that to me is just um overall intensity level at times I think they're just inconsistent with their intensity level Um, last year they they averaged 46 rebounds a game they're down to 40 this year so they're dropped off a little bit are you concerned about that at all do you think that's a problem moving forward do you think it's a personnel issue Do, do you think that's something that will be you know solved once they get Porzingis back how do you view that
1: uh, sorry, could you kind of repeat that a little? I, I kind of missed the the first part of your question there. I'm sorry.
0: Oh no no worries. I was I was talking about the the rebounding situation. Oh, yeah. So I was saying so last year they were averaging around 46 rebounds a game. They're down to 40 this year. And for me, I don't think it's necessarily something that will be a long term issue. I just I think you know, at times they're having lapses in intensity level. I do think that some of it is personnel related, depending on who they have on the floor. Something that I like that Carlisle has done is he's kind of staggered Brunson and Burke's minutes because clearly they're just really small out there. So when they do bring in their second unit, um, they just they, they lose a lot of size. And so Carlisle quickly went away from that and kind of staggered those two guys so they're not always on the court at the same time. But I was asking you, do you think that that's something that is a – a long-term concern? Are you concerned at all? Do you think that's just something that will be solved once Porzingis gets back? How do you view it?
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily solved when Porzingis comes back, but it definitely helps. Uh, it will help when you when your seven-three uh, leading rebounder from a season ago returns to the lineup. Like that's just. Ah, uh, that's just a no-brainer. And the Mavericks were not like a awful rebounding team last year. I think they had some close losses where some offensive rebounds got away from them. That kind of that kind of made it feel like that they were a worse rebounding team than I think they actually were. Uh, but I wouldn't necessarily go the other direction and say that rebounding is a huge like strength for them. I just don't think that when Chris, when Kristaps comes back, it's going to be like, their downfall or their Achilles heel necessarily. Uh, they could still uh, look to get better from that spot or to improve that area uh, of their game because it seems, you know, clear, like, with Dwight Powell not looking like himself, like, you can't have... You know, there's no two ways around it. You can't have your... You know, we are looking at his, his line last night. You can't have your starting five play 24 minutes and get four rebounds. Like, that's just... You just can't have that. Uh, It helps when you've got forwards like Luca and James Johnson and Dorian Finney Smith uh, chip in, but they really need some, some extra, you know, they really need, they're really missing Kristoff's presence at grabbing boards there. Uh, And, you know, you look at Willie Colley Stein has been a little bit inconsistent there as well. He's had uh, some games where he's been, been good for the amount of minutes and some where he hasn't. So, uh, we'll see. I think it's something that is not going to be a huge issue when Chris Ups comes back, but I also think that it's an area that they could probably look to address. Uh, but it, the way they can address it cheaply, like I don't think this is something they need to go hog wild with and get like a bit, you know, spend a ton, a ton of money on on a on a five that can rebound. When I think that they could probably. Find a player on the margins that can that can do what they need, uh, especially once Kristaps is back. Because I don't think they'll need that much more uh, once he's back.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I mean, and when you get when you get such a a big piece to your team like that coming back, it just it stabilizes a lot of things. It maybe doesn't solve every problem, but it certainly um, helps, and that's for sure. Before we get into a quick game of uh, panic or patience, let me speak to you all about Manscaped. It is the best. And men's below waist grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, is here to help you have clean below-the-rim um, manscaping throughout the new year coming in 2021. Ring in the new year with the right tools for the job. My favorite, my favorite piece of these two things is that it does have um, waterproof and skin-safe trimmer, which will reduce nicks to your best friend. Obviously, no one wants any of that. But it also has an LED light so that if you are for any reason um, shaving in the dark, in the shower, you will definitely still have access to see everything that you're doing. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code XXX at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code XXX. Happy New Year to everyone. Okay, Josh, so to round this thing up, I just want to play a quick game of panic or patience. And so, obviously, you know, on Twitter, there's always, there's it's overreaction city, as we both know. Um, there's always a happy medium. Obviously, there's things that we can, you know, take a little more serious. But overall, we're not even ten games in. A lot of teams are still figuring out rotations and things of that nature. Guys are still working themselves back into shape. It was an expedited offseason. We all know it. So, with that being said, I have a list of questions for you, and let me know um, whether it's panic or patience for you, um, first thing, Dwight Powell's productivity and presence. Panic or patience?
1: Oh man, that's that's the toughest one. I think you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna <laughs> give for me because I know that I've I'm on the record as saying I like uh, Dwight Powell. Um, I guess it's panic, <sighs> panic in the sense that I'm I'm not sure if he's gonna be able to regain what he had. Although it's very early. Um, and I just don't think he's going to give the team what they need this season. Maybe he can come back next season or toward the end of the year. But by then, you know, you're toward the end of the year. I, I think the Mavericks should have patience in the sense that, uh, he needs time to work himself back. But in terms of him working himself back, being a starter, and uh, you know playing as much minutes as he is, and you know being as prominent in the rotation as he is, that's where I would say they might need to to start making to look at some things. But at the other end of it, Kristaps is going to come back, and and Powell will go to the bench, whether I like it or whoever likes it or not. Um, so it's I I, I don't want to hedge it already, but it, it might be a little bit of both. But yeah, I just don't think until Kristaps comes back. They need to be more flexible with that starting lineup, and I'm not saying Powell needs to be on the bench forever necessarily. Like there are probably still some matchups he can he can play in with the starters, but I think the the steadfast he's a starter needs to be looked at for sure. I think the the starting lineup needs to be a little bit more fluid at that position if Powell is just not gonna bring anything to the table on some nights.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think for me it's it's patience right now. Only because we're so early. Mm-hmm. It, it it takes a long time to come back from an injury that he sustained. And and for me, I just I I think you get stronger as the season goes along. And I know uh, you know obviously with with an Achilles, every it, it's different for everybody. And so you just have to take it person by person. I mean, the, we're we're looking at KD right now who who has come back and he looks great. I mean, that that's just one of those injuries that not many P it, it's the dreaded um, you know, who knows what you're going to look like when you come back type of injury. And for us or for, or in this situation where we have modern medicine, I think as the season progresses, we'll we, I, I expect to hopefully see, and maybe this is just hope on my part, because I really think that Powell is a, is a valuable piece to the puzzle. I think we'll start to see a little better version of him as he continues to get his legs under. So for now, I'm going to still say patience, but, you know, we could come back to this in, in game 18 to 20. And I'm like, Josh, I don't know. I might be with you on panic. Um, shot making as a team. So as we mentioned earlier, shot, um, I was saying, so as a, just overall, shooters are not making shots. And we know that. They're 26th in the league on three-point percentage, and that's with the 10th most three-pointers three attempted. Um, we kind of gave some numbers early, and like I was saying, on on wide open shots, they shot 25% against the Hornets, and it, it's just not looking good. For you, is it panic or patience on shot making as a team?
1: Um, for me, it's patience, and the big reason why is it kind of – it basically comes down to it has to be, because if you're panicking about it, uh, that's such a big identity to what the Mavericks – do and it's the way the entire roster is built that they don't have really much alternative. Uh, if they if it if they're not patient with it and if the shot making doesn't come back, I mean we're talking some real catastrophic uh, struggles for the rest of the season. So it's been four games. Uh, we've seen the starters um, have have a good shooting night against the Clippers. Tim Hardaway Junior has put back to back good shooting games together. Maxi Kleba has had a good start to the season shooting. Uh, Richardson has had a good game. So has Dwayne Finney-Smith. So it's not great collectively over these four games, but I've seen enough uh, decent performances here and there that I think uh, as we get deeper into the season, when Kristaps comes back and and opens things up even more, um, I'm hopeful that this won't be a long-term concern.
0: Yep, I I agree. I'm going to exercise patience as well. I think that this is – I mean, shooting the ball is their calling card. I think some of that will, will, you know, heal itself, so to speak, as we continue to move throughout the season. And again, talking about law of averages, I mean, they're just one of the better shooting teams in the NBA. And I don't expect them to continue to slump the way they're doing, which is also affecting their defense. Because if you're if the ball is coming off the rim all the time, you're always on in transition defense. You're trying to locate guys. Which means that sometimes you're out of position, you have to grab a guy that maybe isn't your assignment and that creates issues all around. So um, so that's just a little side note to them missing shots. But I'm with you. Um, I'm definitely exercising patience there. Um, Rebounding as a team. I know that's been kind of a, you know, kind of a thing, so to speak, as we, you know, looking into the Twitter sphere, as we will say. Um, and just watching the games overall, I think there's times where it looks like they may have an opportunity to make a run and now rebounding has, you know, reared its ugly head. And they're just not getting, they're not securing rebounds on opportunities when they have actually played solid defense. And that's the part of finishing up a defensive possession is getting the rebound or even offensively. So for you, is it
1: panic or patience on rebounding as a team? Uh, like we talked about earlier, I'm, I'm going to go patience as well because uh... Just like the shooting, when you have a seven three center that uh, that can can shoot threes and is your leading rebounder, they kind of go these kind of two go hand in hand. So patience, Kristaps uh, will come back. That's about eight to ten rebounds a game you're missing. Um, it will hopefully push Dwight Powell to the bench, and he will be more comfortable going against second units. And then that way you will have, you know, Perzingis who can grab you eight to 10 a game with Finney Smith who can get you like five to six and Luca who can get you six to eight. And I think that will help a lot. And it might not be enough to quell a lot of people's concerns about the rebounding, but it should make it to where it's not such a glaring giant deficiency anymore.
0: Yeah. um, Totally agree. I'm going to have patience as well. The 7-3 unicorn definitely puts a Band-Aid on all situations on the court. Um, And like I mentioned, having your second best player, not to mention a top 25 player in the NBA, that's just a big piece of your team that's just not there, that when they're back inserted in the lineup, it definitely stabilizes things that maybe you didn't even see were um, able to get stabilized. So I agree. I'm I'm with patience as well. Um, Last one. Lucas conditioning and shot making right now. You mentioned earlier he's shooting two of 20, if we're correct, on threes. Which I looked up the percentage and it says 9.5 percent. He shot 31 percent from three last year. And our hope was that he would continue to progress. Which for me, which was in two areas, I wanted to see him get a um, become better at shooting threes, and I wanted him to be a better free throw shooter, which so far this season he has been. For you, panic or patience on his conditioning and shot making from three?
1: Uh, That's definitely panic for me. Um, I just, with the way he looks right now and the way his shot looks and physically how he looks... I'm not sure that's going to be something that we're going to. I mean, it's going to improve just because it can't get any worse. Right. Uh, he'll he'll get he'll get his conditioning back just by virtue of playing a lot of minutes and a lot of games and a condensed time. Uh, there's not a lot of days off with this NBA schedule that they have right now. So he will be in better shape as the season goes on, just because he will be on the court so long. He will be running around so much uh, mm-hmm. by default. And I think that, the, you know, his his shot will improve just because it can't get any worse. But I think in terms of, you know, when we went from rookie season to second year, Luca, a big thing was how is he going to finish at the rim? And because uh, he struggled there a little bit his rookie year and he went from struggling his rookie year to being like one of the best in the league uh, in the paint. And so I think I got a little hopeful and thinking, OK, well, if he attacked a weakness uh, that thoroughly in the offseason, you know, can he attack his shooting weakness? Uh, in this next off season, but with the way the offseason worked and he didn't have as much time and there's a pandemic and it's obvious that he was not able to train the way he wanted to or he just didn't see you know maybe he's it, what he wants to train and what he focused on wasn't what he needed to um especially if you hear uh jj Berea on a on a podcast today talk about lucas training motivations right now um mm-hmm. It I just don't, you know, it just it's not gonna happen. Like I just don't see him being that being a part of his game that he has fixed. So uh I guess that's panic, even though I don't think it will kill the Mavs. But if anyone was hopeful he would become like an average three point shooter or above average three point shooter this season, I think that that hope is probably gone.
0: Oh man. Um you laid that out so beautiful. I, I feel like I have no choice but to agree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you can disagree if you want.
0: I, I wanted to have hope. I mean, I have hope for his conditioning just because, you know, by default, as you mentioned, the minutes that he will log throughout the season, he's going to get in better shape. He's still young, so I want to say that will account for him also getting in better shape. It's harder to get in shape the older you get. He's still a, a very young player, so I expect that to snap back um, quicker than usual. But the shot making from especially from the three point line is alarming because that's something you want to see improve right away. And he's still I wouldn't even say that he's taking better three point shots. And I think for some I think some of that is there's a lot of guys who can shoot off the dribble and um, with the ball in their hand. And there's some guys who shoot better off of catch and shoot. I would like to I would love for to see Luca get more catch and shoot opportunities. I think he might be a better shooter from three in that respect. But with the lack of on-ball playmakers they have, I don't know if we'll ever get to see that. But that just goes to show, you know, some of the elite shooting that we have in the NBA. So you get a guy like Steph Curry or Damian Lillard or Kevin Durant, these guys who can constantly or even Kyrie to an extent who can, you know, break the defense down, shoot step backs, um, walk up three pointers, all with having the ball on a string. And as a former basketball player myself, I can understand the difficulty of that as well. It's a lot different when you're catching and shooting. And so for me, that's that's something that's concerning because he's not going to be a guy that's not going to have the ball in his hands. So all of a lot of his three point opportunities are going to come from him creating on his own which also creates some panic for me as well. I don't know how he um, gets better at that in season when you come into the season and it already doesn't look better. You're already trying to get in better shape. That doesn't um, just necessarily happen. So I have to agree, even though I wanted to be optimistic, but just being honest, yeah, I don't know. And, and that, could be, that could be something that could crop up throughout the season that um, – that will hurt them, especially when it gets towards playoff time, and and teams understand how they can defend him. Um, so um, that was great. Uh, that's all I have for panic or patience this time. <laughs> we'll have I'll, I'll definitely have some more, um, as we see more games and get a bigger sample size to see if some of this stuff comes to fruition or if we have some some more issues that actually pop up. So to wrap things up, they play the they play the Miami Heat tomorrow. I'm not sure if Jimmy Butler will be back or not. That doesn't necessarily um. Concern me too much, but from a Dallas Mavericks perspective, give me two things that you're looking forward to seeing tomorrow that you hope kind of turn around for the Mavericks or just, you know, two thoughts on things that um, you just hope to see in the game. Just you can just give me two of your bullet point thoughts going into tomorrow's game.
1: Um, I would like to see a better effort defensively, and I think what's been a really huge issue has been them being able to guard the paint and guard the rim. I don't have the number in front of me, but we've been talking about it in our Mavs Moneyball Slack. But the percentage opposing teams are shooting at the rim against the Mavericks in these four games is, like, astronomical. There's just... Not a lot of resistance, and when you have you know Dwight Powell, who is a noted poor rim defender, starting games and playing twenty four minutes, that hurts. Um, so I would like to see something, some something there, whether it's an effort thing or a lineup thing. Uh, I would like to see the Mavericks just show a little bit more force in stopping teams from kind of running layup lines on them and have a little pride in in themselves. Uh, another thing is, I kind of want to see. If we're going to see any rotation or, or lineup changes, it's pretty early, uh, obviously four games, but Rick is known to throw things against the wall, see if they stick. He already pretty much abandoned the Trey Burke, Jalen Brunson lineups as he has split them out, like you talked about earlier in, in the pod. So... Is Rick looking at anything like that to, to mix anything else up a little bit more? Um, he's given James Johnson more ball handling duties and made Brunson more of an off-ball guy when Brunson's on the floor, which I like that move as well. Um, so is Dwight Powell going to start? Are they going to mix those minutes up a little bit? Is he going to play less minutes? Are, is Maxi Kleba or really Colley Stein going to get some more run to help with the the defense at the rim? Uh, I'm just curious to see if after four games, if it's still too early to do anything drastic, or if we're going to see some more subtle tweaks from Carlisle as he tries to get this team back on track.
0: Yeah, I uh, I'm with you. I know those are all great points. I think for me, I think one thing I want to see, especially with the season going the way it's going, I want to see Luca come out and establish a positive leadership mindset. From the jump in tomorrow's game just from just having some pride i mean he's not the greatest defender but sit down in a chair show some intensity um offensively assert yourself i know he that he doesn't necessarily have a problem with that but set the set the tone with getting to the basket establishing himself offensively and ju- and and letting all the rest of the guys play off him because right now when things go bad i just don't really like his body language and, that, and it's not just him, so I don't want to make it seem like it's just a Luca thing, but him being the leader of the team, attitude reflects leadership, and that's what I say a lot of times. And I want to see him kind of assert himself in that manner um, for tomorrow's game because it's just, you know, it's very clear they got blown out, things aren't looking great, he's already not playing his best. Um, so just come out and just, ha- and, and just have a winner's mentality. It doesn't mean they have to win the game, but I just want to see an adi- a, a, a fighter's attitude, so to speak. Um, that would be good to see. Another thing is something you kind of touched on. is just lineup changes. Um, obviously, Bam Adebayo is going to be a mismatch. Do you put Finney Smith on him? Who's undersized? Do you put James Johnson into the lineup? I'm not confident that White Powell can guard him right now with with his condition and, and, and his um, athletic ability kind of not being what it used to be. So it'd be interesting to see that and then kind of monitoring how they're playing, like the defensive intensity I haven't been um, sold on yet. And that's something that you and I talked about, bringing bringing in these guys who can help defensively. But is it going to matter? And if you don't see some of that tomorrow, I wouldn't mind seeing Josh Green get some minutes. I think you can get some healthy minutes out of him in a small sample size of just defensive intensity, a guy who's going to get out and get after it. And maybe it helps everyone else get jump started. So. Um, so, yeah, so maybe picking and prodding with the lineups, putting in some guys, seeing if you can get some, um, seeing if you can get some positive minutes out of guys who maybe don't play as much or kind of playing to the matchups and seeing if you can kind of help yourself gain an advantage or stabilize things as they move forward. So um, so it should be a good one. This would be a great test again. Um, you know, Miami's one of the better teams in the league. So are the Mavs, but they have to start playing like it. And so those are some of the things that um, I would like to see. And hopefully we do see some of in addition to what um what you mentioned. Um if there if is there anything else you want to add to that or is that what you're kind of looking forward to for tomorrow's game?
1: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with the what you mentioned. I'm also I would also like to see maybe Josh Green get some burn, especially if they start if they play another game. Like they played against the Hornets and things are looking sluggish uh, and they just don't look like they have it. Like I would love to see Rick just throw Josh Green out there and see if that gives the team kind of a, the kick in the ass they need because you know that Green for whatever w- warts he has, he's probably going to bust his ass uh, if he gets some time on the floor. So if they start slow again, I would I would love to see. I agree with you. I'd love to see a little bit more Green just to see just to see something different and and to see. Something give them try to give them a spark.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about their depth, um, and this is a good time to use it with the, with the season being early and guys still trying to work their ways, work through all the kinks that that come with the early season slump. That I don't think you, anything will hurt with giving him a few minutes. So um, again, it was great having you on. It was a, a much needed. Like I said, we had to bring the pod muscle today because. I needed someone to help me kind of work through some of these things that are just, I just don't get what's going on with the Mavs from the perspective of we had such high hopes for this season and we thought they would come out, you know, you know, all guns blazing, so to speak. And it just hasn't been that. So no, no, nobody better to bring in than, than a guy like Josh who who understands the Mavs inside and out, has a pulse on the team, covers the team. So um, we definitely appreciate you coming on. Um, Uh, Represent for the Mavs Moneyball crew. Um, Let everyone know where they can find you um, on your socials.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, For Twitter, you can find me at Bowman55, uh, B-O-W-E-M-A-N 55. And that's pretty much where I am on social. (laughs) That's about it. And then, of course, please check out our site, BavsMoneyball.com. Uh, we've got a lot of new contributors at the site. So basically every day that you uh, pop over there, you're going to see something new. Uh, we've been we've been doing pretty good to start the season, so uh, everyone should check it out. Nice. And you guys also, um,
0: Mavs Moneyball has a podcast as well, right?
1: Oh, yeah, that's correct. Uh, yeah, so if you just go to your favorite podcast app, uh, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, whatever, just search Mavs Moneyball and you should see it. Uh, it's basically like a Mavs Moneyball podcast feed. You subscribe to that and you will get uh, our post-game podcasts that are usually uh, me and Kirk uh, recording, you know, right after the game with our reactions. And then you will occasionally get me and Kirk popping in whenever there's a, a major development, if there's a trade, a signing, or if we just kind of want to talk about how things are going and then kirk our managing editor has formed a lot of relationships with a lot of popular uh online basketball uh media people whether that's writers podcasters content creators what have you and he will occasionally uh get them on the podcast and talk to them since he's formed those relationships which is really good he's had uh yeah. matt matt moore has been on there you know hp basketball mm-hmm. uh, uh he's had uh, jonathan Sharks from the ringer He's had on Jason Gallagher from The Ringer. He's had on uh, a bunch of other people. Uh, so he he's formed a lot of relationships, a lot of different people uh, in the basketball writing community. So uh, you'll get some good pods there, and that'll show up in that feed as well. So uh, yeah, it's good stuff.
0: Nice, nice, yeah, um, definitely. I mean, and as I as I was able to find you, I mean that was. That was great because having you on is, is, has been a has been a pleasure, and I was I was happy that you were able to to you know take a little time out for us on the last day of 2020 to come talk a little bit of Mavs basketball. Although we haven't had the greatest of times with what they with how they've been looking, but yet and still we have to cover the team, and it's, uh, it's definitely something that I love. Um, everyone else, you guys can find me um, at lb it on Twitter. That's l b s a i d i t on Twitter. Um, I'm always, um, you know, live tweeting the games, talking about anything Mavs related um, and all in between football lover as well. Um, please subscribe and download the podcast, um, Hoopball Mavericks podcast. Leave us a five star review. Um, tell us how you if you love it, hate it, whatever. You can even at me on Twitter with the same thing. Please follow. Also, please follow at Hoopball Mavs. That's at Hoopball Mavs. M-A-V-S. Um, I also, you know, we use that that Twitter handle. To live tweet games Um, that's for the podcast Um, anything Mavs related um, shouting out Josh or anybody else that has been on the pod um, we're always covering um, everything covering anything uh, Mavs related from those as well so again uh, thank you Josh everyone have a great um, New Year's Eve Um, be safe Um, and yes let's get a win tomorrow hopefully but at nonetheless Let's avoid a blowout and let's just look better. Everyone, um, see you next time. Thanks again, Josh. Go Mass.